Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, um, the title of the message, I'll give it to you right off the bat, is I Choose Joy. I choose joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So as evidence that I'm saved and that God's Spirit lives inside of me, there should be the fruit of joy that people could observe from my life. Yes. You could say amen or maybe you could say ouch. (laughs) But I'll let the Holy Spirit deal with you accordingly. But this morning... I choose joy because it's a choice that we also have to make. Just because it's a fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't mean that it's always evidenced in my life. Therefore, I, I have the ability to choose joy. And oftentimes when circumstances, especially trials and troubles or tribulations come, um, we are faced with a choice. How am I going to respond or react But also, no matter how bad the situation is, I want to throw this or submit this, is probably a better way of saying it. I submit this thought to you that it's an opportunity for you to choose joy. When trials come, it's an opportunity for you to choose joy. Um, Here's the the belief that we're going to anchor the message this morning in. It's a statement that I wrote out for us. God has a purpose and a plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, but you can't rush the process. God has a purpose and a plan, but you can't rush the process. You could go to the passport office, pay extra money, and they would give you the rush order so you can get the passport to you know, get on your way traveling. There are many ways in life that we could quickly you know, speed up a process, but the purpose and plan that God has for your life, it cannot be rushed. You can't say, okay, God, let's fast track this. I'm going to pray 5 a.m. Monday to Friday so that... You can't rush the process. And if that's the case, then we have to begin to understand that there is value in the process. Because some of us, if you're like me, the process is not the enjoyable part. We like the, I have a plan and a future for you to give you, to prosper you, not to harm you. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11. We like that verse and we quote it because it reminds us and it maybe makes us feel good in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the process. But maybe we don't value the process enough. But I hope that as God uses me as his mouthpiece, as we look at scripture, your perspective will start to shift a bit. And though the process might have some pain in it, We will actually learn to appreciate the process because we can't rush it anyway. And we know that God is refining us for the purpose and the plan he has for us. How many of you know God's plan and purpose for your life is good? The process, God uses it because not everything is the Lord's doing. Sometimes we mess up the process too by our decisions, by our actions, by our inability to wait. But then, God causes all things to work together for our good. 
For those who love him and who are called according to what? His purpose. Not your plan and your purpose, his plan and purpose. Amen? If you have your Bible, would you stand with me? And let's turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll have it on the screen behind me, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation just a few verses, starting at verse 2. James chapter 1, here's what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. There's an emphasis. It's not just eh, for joy. It's for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete or another word is whole, W-H-O-L-E, complete, needing or lacking nothing. Let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, I thank you that every single one of us has an opportunity this morning to choose joy. And Father, I thank you that no matter what we're walking through, you are right there with us. And Father, you will see us through And help us to also understand we can't rush the process, so help us to embrace it, knowing we're doing it with you. And God, we will give you honor and glory. Anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart to speak your word to your people the way you want me to this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. This book of James is actually a letter from James And it's one of the earliest letters of the New Testament. So it's really interesting um, when we think about the early church, the New Testament, we we have to also understand they were not walking like an exciting, it was exciting, but it was difficult. So there were a lot of trials, especially for people of the way, for Christians, for followers of Jesus. And we can find in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is is martyred for his faith. And then in Acts chapter 8, the church is scattered as a result. And, And so it wasn't easy, and neither was it comfortable. And, you know, today, if I could, like, zoom out of Weston and kind of look at the North American church... Like, we have it pretty good. We have it pretty good. Yes, we go through challenges and difficult circumstances, but I don't think people are chasing you out of your home in Toronto necessarily um, because of your faith. And, and there are some cases, by the way, where that is happening. Some, a story personally I know of someone uh, in our church who, who took a stand in her family, and there are repercussions as a result. And I'm not going to name names, but they're very real. So it's not that it doesn't exist, but for the majority, we think my problem is my biggest thing that I'm going through. Where there are still martyrs in this world who die for their faith in Jesus Christ. So the early church, though, this was, this was normal Christianity to them. That I'm going to die for my faith, probably. That I'm going to suffer for Jesus in that way. And so these early believers, they didn't have the support of an established or centralized organization of Christian churches. 
We're going to gather next weekend as the Canadian Assemblies of God, and we are a, an affiliation of churches that, like, hey, if I'm struggling, uh, I can call another pastor. We have a, a general overseer, a superintendent who can help us and guide us. The early church didn't really have a network of churches to call upon. And so this was very difficult. So when James is writing this letter that we're reading from chapter 1, James is a leader of the church in Jerusalem, but he wrote to them as a concerned leader and to encourage them in their faith during these difficult times. So he's writing to say, you know, you're going to go through things. The trials and tribulations, they're there, but it's an opportunity for what? Great joy. And so he's saying it to them who are literally dying, some of them, for their faith. This was the experience of the early church. But for you and me, that's not the case, right? And, and I want to say this. We have a church family. We're affiliated with a group of churches in our city, like I've just referenced, and across our nation, and even across the world. Yeah. I have pastor friends if I actually stop and begin to take account, they span probably worldwide at this point. So here's what I want to submit to you who goes to church, who is, is the church. So when you encounter trouble or face trials, you actually have a place that you can and should come to for encouragement. That's something the early church didn't really have. Yes, they were learning to do life together, but it's not like there was an organization called The Church where I know I can call or send an email, submit a prayer request, and, and my needs would be prayed for and hopefully met as well. And so an interesting thing I've observed oftentimes is when people go through hard times, they either get closer to God and show up and are pressing in, or it's the exact opposite where they start to kind of back out. And, and this is just my opinion, just my observation. Usually when something happens to someone, that's when they press into God. But when it's of their own doing or actions or decisions, and it's a result of that, that they're facing hardships, that's when they kind of cower away and kind of fade out and disappear. Not always the case. Not a blanket statement. It's just a little bit of observation and, and, and so I'm not saying, hey, if someone is here, it's because someone did something to them. And if someone's not here, it's because they made mistakes. Please don't. I'm just saying, in my years of praying for people and ministering to people, I've noticed that. So there's a responsibility on both ends, though. When someone begins to disappear and fizzle out, we have a responsibility. They're a part. So we say, hey, is everything Okay. And we, we do whatever we can to pull them back, to, to bring them back to where they need to be with God. And when people are here, we still have a responsibility to minister to them and to make sure as they press in that we're creating a, a, an environment where they can get what they need from Jesus. So there's a responsibility. It's not like, well, they, they walked away. In the end, if they do and we've tried our best or you've tried personally your best, there's nothing more you can do sometimes. But to say, God, like I release them into your care now. Holy Spirit, do your work in their heart and in their life. 
So it's, it, though it was the case for the early church, it's not the case for you and me. Things are way more established today where we can take care of people. And God has given us a responsibility as the church. Um, as we read through this passage, passage in James, chapter 2, when it's speaking of troubles, it doesn't say if trouble comes your way, but rather it says when trouble comes your way. And so maybe some of you, you've just expected it to be a bed of roses once you gave your life to Jesus. Life is sweeter. And I, there's a song I used to say, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And it is. It is. Because I'm not the same Jonathan I was when I was in high school, before I, I gave my life to God. But here's, here's the thing. I faced my share of trouble and trials and tribulation. The biggest one is when my mom died unexpectedly in a car crash when I was 23 years old. Prime of life for me. Just graduated Bible school, preached my first sermon to the youth group Friday night. And then Sunday night, my mom dies in a car accident. Trials and tribulations. Hard. It's hard. It was hard. So he's not saying, if trouble comes, you know, here's my 10 cents. Here's my word of wisdom. Here's my manna for today. He's not saying that. He's saying, when it comes, I want you to realize it's an opportunity for great joy. And, and notice it also says, when trouble in the NLT of any kind, any kind, because you might say, well, the lighter ones, it's easier to choose joy. But what I'm walking through is super serious. And some of you, I know, you're walking through those dark, deep moments, and all you see is darkness. I heard someone even say it like this, um, you think it's a light at the end of the tunnel, instead it's a train coming straight for you. And some of you feel like that. So when trouble of any kind, whether great or small, he says it's an opportunity for great joy. And so that's why I choose joy. I choose joy. And so um, there's a perspective shift that I believe God needs to bring to some of us, if not many of us or all of us. And so the way I see it is your problems can cause you to profit. And, and I know profit, you think of this right away. So I just want to, when I say profit, it's like you benefit. You actually could benefit from some of the pain and the problems you're walking through. And your problems can cause you to profit. I like the alliteration. That's why I said the word profit. And here's the question then. Why? Why is that true? Why is that the case? Well, we read it in the passage. When faith is tested, endurance has a chance to what? Grow. And the very next verse says, so let it grow. Not let it go. Let it grow. Let your endurance grow. And it's interesting. I just want to park on the word faith for a minute. Because he could have put any, any other word that gets tested in your life. But what's being tested when you face trials? Your faith. And what is our faith in? Or who is our faith in? In Jesus. So when trials and troubles come, what is actually being tested is, are you truly 
Is your life truly anchored in Jesus? Or has it just been smoke and mirrors because you could talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk? And smoke and mirrors is an expression to say, when, when the smoke leaves, you go, oh, these are just mirrors. I thought there was substance here. And so it's very important to, to take note. It's your faith that gets tested. It's not your patience for the situation or the trial. It's not even your tolerance for the pain that you're walking through or going through. Not even your generosity. Those aren't the things that are tested. It's your faith. Now, just for a second, when your faith is tested, it might show in the area of generosity or in the area of patience or in the area of tolerance, but it's your faith as the root that's being tested. And here's the promise from Scripture. God promises to walk with you through the fire. So when you're going through the trials, don't ever think, especially if you profess that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, Lord means he's in the driver's seat and not you. So when you're going through the trial, don't ever think that you have to bear the weight of the journey all by yourself. So God, his promise is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he's with you through the fire, through the trial. But the devil, so that's God's promise. But the devil wants you to lose hope and to abandon your faith. So that's where the tricky part comes. Your faith is going to be tested. And we know what God wants to do and his promise to you. But I know also, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think it's, that's all it is. There's an opponent and he's a faithful opponent who doesn't want you or me to succeed. Who doesn't want you or I to win, but to give up all hope and to give up all faith. So your faith is what is tested. And we're reminded to be faithful to him in the midst of the fire. You know, there's this expression you've all heard. When the going get tough, the what? The tough get going. And you might think that's a great phrase, Pastor, but I'm not tough. I'm actually, I feel so weak in the middle of all this. If that's you, Joel 3.10. That's why I say you got to know the word. And I prophesy this over you. The Bible says in Joel 3.10, Let the weak say I am what? Strong. It didn't say like flex and let's check. It didn't say look in the mirror and see what's really there. No, it says out of your mouth begin to declare. Let the weak say I am strong. So Lord, I don't feel it, but I'm going to say it that I'm strong. And doesn't the scripture also remind us that it's in our weakness where he is made strong? Yeah, it does. So therefore... It it's, has less to do about who you are and what you could muster up to face the trial. It has more to do with who God is in the midst of what you're walking through. 5 a.m. prayer, it's going to change the way you look at your problems that maybe are waiting for you at Monday night, 9 a.m., 8 a.m., whenever you check into work or school. It's going to shift the way you think about God and, and how you're facing your problems. 
And so you, you know, when the going get tough, yes, the tough get going. And the toughness that I'm getting at is, is not what I'm made of. It's what he's made of. Let the weak say, I am strong. So say, I am strong. Come on, say it like you believe it this morning. I am strong. Amen. Amen. Samson, by the way, just to go there for a second, I remember as a kid, think, you know, I think even in some of the handouts, like they, they drew this muscle man. But as I got older and I would read the scripture, there's nothing about his appearance that gave indication that he's strong or else Delilah would never have asked him, what is the secret to your strength? If it was his biceps, she wouldn't have had to ask about a secret, right? So don't, don't just look at your physical ability or capability. It's, no, let the weak say, I am strong. Give thanks. No. So I know some of you are waiting for that. Um, to take it just another level deeper, you know, playing soccer growing up, um, it was amazing. I didn't say I was amazing. I said it was amazing. I was decent. Our team was amazing. I'll say that. I was just a part of a great team. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we were winning and we needed to run the clock down, I was a left fullback, and we would just pass the ball around as from defense to midfield and just... But, and here's what I, I remember. When we would be in the defensive zone, passing that around, not a lot of pressure on us. I mean, the forwards were getting frustrated because they knew we were winning. We were just running down the clock, and, and they felt just like guinea pigs running around, knowing we're not going to win this game. And we would just run the clock down. But here's, the, here's a, a little bit of a different scenario. If we were to take that ball, and we had possession of the ball, and I speak this from experience, and as a team, begin moving to the offense toward a common goal, the net, I can guarantee you that we would be a prime target, and it will not be easy for, for us as we would move up the field toward their net. In fact, it's the opponent's job to make sure we don't win. Okay, so that's soccer, that's practical. We kind of understand that if you've watched any sort of sport. It's the exact same way spiritually. Listen, your faith is tested because what you possess, what you have in your possession is powerful. And when you take steps of faith in obedience to what God has asked of you, you have a faithful opponent in the devil and his job is to make sure you don't win. So it won't be easy. If you're just passing the ball in the defensive zone, sure, he's going to give you space. Sure, he's going to give you time. But for those of you who are serious with your walk with Jesus, and every day you're saying, let's go take some ground for the kingdom, and you take steps toward the goal, guess what? You have a faithful opponent, the devil, let's name him this morning, and he does not want you to win. I want to remind you, Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we continue on. The opponent, the opposition, we know he's real. We know he's real. But it should not stop us anyway. Or else we won't win. We have to go towards the goal. And Jesus is the goal. Can you say amen?
And so you're going through trials can actually make us more whole. We read this. He goes, so let, 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 it, let it grow. Let the endurance grow. And what happens as your endurance grows, you actually become more seasoned and experienced. Right? The longer I played soccer, like you begin to anticipate. They call it your, your IQ. Like you have high IQ when it comes to sports. They look at athletes and they go, he's got a high hockey IQ, meaning he could read the game super well. When it comes to the devil, the, the longer you're at this and you, you go through trials, you go, uh, you know, not, not everything's a trial either, by the way. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a blessed life, but we still go through trials. And here's the thing. You have experience, and you begin to understand, oh, wait a minute. I see what's going on here. We just ha- I just was on this mountain, and now I feel like it's a valley. And I'm walking through a valley. And so we, we, we recognize that there are patterns and the way the devil works. Another way, personally, that he works is when you're tired. Because you let your guard down in your mind. And when you would normally stand on the word of God, if you're, if you're weak and tired, that guard comes down and then a thought could come in. And the thought is not of God. And you don't even know why it's in your head roaming around rent free. But then you begin to doubt or ponder or think or backtrack. And this is... You know, we think it's going to be the car accident that the way the devil attacks us. It could just be he's waiting because he's a faithful opponent. He's waiting. And as soon as he sees the guard down a little bit, just enough, he could get the arrow or the dart straight in. And that's it. It's like a stink bomb. Once it's in the room, it clouds everything. (laughs) Some of you, (laughs) that wasn't in my notes, by the way. But he can deal with those too. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> oh, we got in trouble in Bible school for a stink bomb. It wasn't me though. It was someone they didn't, they didn't let us know who it was. So they said, "Okay, all the guys from the dorm, everyone in the chapel, because that's a good place to go. To be honest, right? Go to go to the church service, and um, yeah, it was not fun. And then finally." Um, we found the rotten scoundrel. But, but that's, how, that's his ploy. But again, when you endure, God builds that up in your life. You become more seasoned and experienced. And again, what's being tested throughout all of this? Your faith. Your faith is what's being tested. So the more seasoned and experienced you become, your faith actually is more concrete. Knowing, oh, no, 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 devil. Tell the devil not today. My son Nathan loves to pray that for breakfast. <laughs> and he goes, and, and we tell the devil not today, Satan. Not today. It's from, from that song, from Hillsong, I think. But, but it's true. We have experience now to know and discern. And God helps us to discern what's really going on. And here's... Something I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Put it in your phone if you have to. Text it to yourself so you can remember. Whatever you got to do. God would rather you grow to become whole 
than to isolate you from every problem or pain. I'm going to say that again. God would rather you grow to become whole than to isolate you from every problem or pain. Why? Because you'll just be a little weakling in an incubator. That's like, as adults, as spiritually mature people, that's not the picture of where I, sh- where I should be. I should be able to face whatever's coming my way, knowing with confidence that He's with me through it all. And it's an opportunity for great joy. Because I know, again, He has a plan and a purpose for my life, but I can't rush the process. That's the phrase we're landing on this morning. So I can't rush the process. So Lord, I thank you that through this, you're refining my character. You're making me even better than I already was. Get a high view of yourself because that's how God looks at you. He has a high view of who you are. So he doesn't isolate us from problems or pain. Why? Because he would rather you be whole. He would rather know you to be a whole being, experienced, seasoned, that when trials do come, it doesn't rock the boat like it once did, but that there's, there's quality behind your, in your character, behind who you are. And it, as you walk through the trial, as you walk through the problem, even through the pain, I say, God, thank you. It does bring me a great joy. Why? Because I know I'm going to be better on the other side of it. I know I'm going to be better on the other side of it. God, thank you that you'd rather me become whole than just keep me like a a, a little weak child who doesn't know how to fight or walk or stand up. Thank you, Lord, that that's your desire for our lives. And if you need another scripture example, in scripture I should say, we see it in the life of Joseph. We don't have time to go through his whole story. But in short, he's about 17 years old. He has a dream, two dreams actually. The first dream, there are bundles of wheat. He is the one in the middle and all the other bundles bow down. He tells his brothers, he's like, this is you guys bowing down to me? And they're getting upset. And then Joseph Uh, tells his father, he's like, yeah, the sun, moon, and the stars were all bowing to me, you know, and his dad now starts to get a little like, hey, Joseph, chill out, bro, like, don't, don't get a hot head, don't, don't get a big ego about it, and, but those were God-given dreams, but did Joseph go straight to the palace? Absolutely not. He had to go through what? The process. Did God have a purpose and a plan for his life? Undoubtedly, yes. We'll get to the conclusion of his story, his life, in a minute. Absolutely, he had a purpose and a plan, but there was the process. You can't erase it from the whole equation. And it was, you know, he was serving Potiphar's, went to prison. It was like up, down, up, down. And then finally, hey, you're going to be put in charge. Could you imagine if he would have gone from being at home with all, saying these crazy things to his family, God plucks him out and then puts him in the palace to lead everything. It doesn't work like that. I heard an analogy just yesterday like this. Um, you know, I love my children. Uh, one day, I hope that we're in a position where we could bless the, 
bless Josiah because he's the oldest with a car, let's say. But would I ever give him the car today? Right? But I love him. I love him so much. If you love me, wouldn't you give it to me now? I love my son so much, Josiah, even though you're 10 years old. I'm going to fast track this gift. And I'm, I'm just going to give you the keys today to this brand new, maybe it's a used car, probably, with rust. Maintain it. Take care of it. Show us you deserve it. No. We don't do that. Why? With my finite thinking, I even know better. Because he probably can't afford it, number one. Gas, oil changes, insurance. But number two, doesn't even have a license. Number three, doesn't have enough perception of the world around him to be able to know, hey, this has the power to get you from A to B. It also has the power to kill you. Hey, God, when am I going to see the plan and the, and, the, and the purpose for my life unfold? And he says, I have the keys that will unlock it. Maybe it's the process I'm not finished. I'm not finished with you yet. You get it? May we not be so in a rush or in a hurry to get what we know is coming. By the way, I never told you that he's getting a car. So that's like, I've moved on from that illustration. We know something's coming. He said so in his word. I have plans to give you a future and a hope, not to harm you. To bless you. We know it's there. But I can't rush it. So if I'm not getting that. If God's not unlocking the door. Giving me the keys to unlock it. Maybe I'm not done with the process. Again. Sometimes it's the opponent. That, that causes this process to be what it is. Sometimes it's you. And you need to be aware. Sometimes it's our decisions. We let the guard down. Maybe we just missed something. And if that's the case, enough with beating yourself over the head, enough feeling guilty and labeling yourself as a failure, move on. Keep going with God. You have to know, hey, I'm going to, yeah, I can't rush the process, but I can't stop and sit in it either. If there's a stink bomb in the room, we get out and we keep going. So in your life, don't stop because a process means it's in motion. God is doing something and we got to keep in step with him. Keep going on the journey. We can't sit down. So Joseph, he's got the dream, but he doesn't go straight to the palace. Genesis 50 verse 20, though, to fast track right to the end of the story. Listen to this. You intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Do you see the shift in perspective? That if this is how I see my situation, he was left for dead. Joseph, wasn't he the one with the coat of many colors? And they left him in the pit for dead. And they said, oh, here you go, your son. Uh, yeah, he's dead. Right? No, no, no. He, he could have been so bitter and held on to that against his brothers. But look at the shift. It's an opportunity for great joy. 
Why? Look at what he says. You intended to harm me. So that's real. That's the fact. It doesn't change. But God intended it all for good. So he's saying, I know you guys did this to me, but God used it for good. It's an opportunity for great joy. Did it feel like joy in the pit? No. Did it feel like joy in the prison? No. But guess what? He was placed in the palace because God had a purpose and a plan for his life and gave him a vision, gave him the dreams, and he could not rush the process. And so he said, man, God used this and used me to save many lives. I, I look at how I lost my mom. Man, it was the hardest thing I ever had to go through. When I was in Montreal last week, uh, we were driving, and I took Josiah. He goes, Dad, I want to see the street where you, you know, the story you tell us where you fell off the bike, and you got your stitches here. My kids say it looks like a puma, like the brand puma. So they look at my chin, so I go, yeah, this was the road. This is Zia Sabrina. It's her fault. Just kidding. And I was like, and then this is what happened. And I go, and we're driving. And I said, and Joe, this is a little harder for dad. I'm like, this was the street. And that's the intersection where Nana, Angie, and Nono Tony were in the car accident. And that was it. That was the last thing she saw was this intersection before she was in the presence of God. And that was hard because it reminded me of that night and all of those feelings But my testimony isn't, poor me, woe is me, look at me. My testimony is, God showed up. And what the enemy meant for evil, and I remember saying this to my youth group right after. I said, the devil wanted to shut me up and shut me out of ministry. But I said, I'm only becoming more passionate of what he's put in front of me to do. And this was before I was even in this context. And so it's an opportunity for great joy because God took something so painful in my life and used it to bring about healing in people. As I've shared this story, as I've performed, uh, I say performed, like officiated funerals and preached at funerals where they, you know, people are hurting and they're leaning in looking for hope. Jesus is the hope that we preach. Jesus is the peace that we preach. Jesus brings the joy that we're preaching about today. And I choose joy. I choose joy in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the problem. I choose joy because I know it's part of the process. And thank you, Lord. It's not easy, but you're with me. You're with me through it all. I'm going to ask without losing our focus. Worship team, if you could come back, the whole team, I want you to get ready to sing the bridge of Sea of Victory. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. We're going to get ready to sing that. Don't be distracted as they come up because we're almost wrapping up. Romans 5, I want to read verses 3 to 5. Romans 5, verse 3 to 5. Listen to this. If James 1 isn't enough, here's Romans 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they help us develop, there it is, endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's through Jesus. And this hope will not lead to disappointment 
I declare that over every single person within the sound of my voice, that this hope, Jesus Christ, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice through our trials and our problems. Again, if this seems like strange language to us, remember in the New Testament, suffering is viewed as the normal experience of a Christian. Remember it. And, And you and I, it's not too unfamiliar either. Bit different, but it's not unfamiliar either. It's an opportunity for great joy. Thank you, Lord. It's an opportunity for joy because he is developing the endurance. You see, it's positive. He is developing the endurance in me. He is forging my character better and better. And he's strengthening our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not disappoint. Amen. Would you stand to your feet today? God has a purpose and a plan. You can't rush the process. And we're going to sing this part, but I want you to begin to declare whatever situation, whatever you've been butting your head against through the process, understand. And we're going to sing, God, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good in Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.